As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like me, Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the USC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. What's going on, Broncos country? Welcome back for another edition of the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner Lee. Jeff Ryan could not be with us this evening, but I got a great replacement for him. The founder, the godfather, if you will, (laughs) of Orange Weekly, Kevin Dandino. In the house with us, Kevin, what's going on? What's up? I like how you guys have kind of unofficially just dubbed me the the godfather. I I love it. It it fits you perfect. (laughs) I'm growing the beard to match, you know, kind of a godfather kind of look, right? And next thing, we we need you on the sidelines now for Bronco games. At this point, uh, I think they should just take anybody off the street and put them there. Why not? (laughs) Hey, I'll be the kicker. I'll stand in for Garrett Bowles. I mean, I can't do any worse than those guys, right? Hey, you called him by his name. I, I don't even call him by his name. Uh, so. Gumballs, Garrett Holds, whichever <laughs> you like. Whichever you whatever. like. <laughs> oh, but we got a not-so-fun game to break down. Uh, pretty lousy showing by the Broncos up in Buffalo. A place that really just hasn't treated them well for uh, for quite a while now. No. Um, uh, it was a 20-3 to th- results and a loss for the Broncos and uh, – Man, if if you were looking for a good offensive uh, showing by the Broncos, Sunday was not the game you wanted to watch. I would have taken a mediocre showing by oh the offense, gosh. not like, like yeah. below average. I would have liked to see a below average offense, but it wasn't even close to that. No, I I mean I was trying to think yesterday when we got the field goal. Was that the only time we got across midfield? Um. Or no? No, was I think the another? the first uh, the first drive we did as well. We got down okay. there, but then we had that. Uh, I think it was a personal foul that pushed it outside the ah, field goal right. range. That's and right. And with the wind, it wasn't worth the risk. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, but it wasn't too many times. No, I think that uh, was it. I think I think that was it. it. Was just, Those two times. I mean, just looking over the stats here, you know, I usually like to give game balls, but uh, man, it was hard to give anybody game ball on the offensive side of the ball this week, if any. Uh, I mean, you had Brandon Allen go 10 for 25 for 82 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Philip Lindsay ran for 57 yards on 13 carries. Royce, 20 on two carries. Brandon Allen, eight on two carries. And then your leading wide receivers were Cortland Sutton with one catch for 27 yards. The Bills did a good job shutting him down. Andrew Beck had one catch for 18 yards. Noah Fant, three catches for 14. And then you had Lindsay, one catch for 11. But everybody else was under 
10 with Royce with two receptions for nine yards, Tim Patrick one for three, and Deontay Smitzer one for zero. So I I think this might be a Orange Weekly post game first, but I don't think I'm going to give a game ball to anybody on the uh, offensive side of the ball. I, I can't either. I mean, when you're looking at the team only getting nine first downs an entire game, nine. The, the last – in the last five drives, I can't even call it a drive. The last five times in the, in the game they had the ball, they went three and out on every single one of them. Compared to uh, Buffalo's twenty-two first downs, um, yeah. you know it was. It, you can we can go in through all the you know the the yardage. We only had one hundred thirty-four yards, which is the lowest since I think it was like nineteen ninety-two, um, and it, it's you know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we've hit rock bottom, but uh, if we haven't, then we're really freaking close. Yeah, it's funny you brought that up. You bring that up because last week on the podcast, Jeff and I were talking about, you know, like right at the beginning, he's like, every week we're doing this. We don't think it can get worse. And then we come back the next week. It's gotten worse. and But now I'm right there with you. I think it's, if it's not rock bottom, it's it's really, really close. And uh and maybe the Broncos can make a move this week that gets the fans a little excited these last five games. We'll we'll talk about that in a bit. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, one, one thing that was frustrating to me on the defense side of the ball was how many conversions Buffalo was picking up on third down. Third and long. It wasn't just third down. It was third and long. I mean, how many times were they thir- three and ten plus? Mm-hmm. And they would convert on almost every single one of them. In fact, I think, or uh, is it third down? I thought I had it up, but either way, I mean, it was just time and time and time again. Um, yeah, they were eight for sixteen on third downs, and most of those. I know at the end of the game, it said uh, their average um, third down was you know eight yards. You know, uh, so they're completing half of those. So it's yeah, I just don't even know how to comprehend that. I mean, the defense just had no idea how to contain uh, Josh Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen looked pretty impressive. Uh, uses arm strength through the wind. Uses legs many times when, uh, oh, especially early in the game, it was so frustrating when it looked like we had him down multiple times and he just found ways to scramble. Um, but really, they got the run game going early and often. I mean, that was their game plan. Devin Singletary had 21 carries for 106 yards. Frank Gore 15 for 85 or for 65, and Josh Allen nine for 56. Uh, and we're coming off of a performance the week before against Minnesota when we shut Dalvin Cook mm-hmm. to under 30 rushing yards. But Buffalo just uh, – they came out and punched the Broncos in the mouth. We couldn't recover. You know, the interesting thing is, looking at the stats here again, we had 17 rush plays, but we were averaging five yards a game. Um, so even after the, all those five and outs to end the game, we're, st- we're still averaging five yards a carry. So mm-hmm. – you know how how it was we couldn't get a single first down in five attempts, uh, and even try to get the ball moving is beyond me. I think uh, you know Brandon Allen obviously has is, is no experience, no real experience in throwing with the wind. But I mean that's the time you know you look at the stats. We had somewhat of a run game. I mean uh, the Bills only had five point two. They also had uh, a ton more plays than we did. Mm. Um, you know, all those first downs kind of happening over and over and over yep. again. But, uh, you know, the rush game wasn't terrible, but we, we just could not find a way to get any of the passing game going to to complement it. Yeah, exactly. Got behind early, and then we got into the point of the game we had a pass. We, we couldn't run due to uh, the clock not being on our side. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I mean, looking back, I guess Lindsey had some moments. 
here and there during the game. I mean, the dude's a warrior. He's a bulldog. He's a pit bull. He's whatever you want to call him. He's uh, he's the heart and the soul, really, of the team effort-wise, at least on the offensive side of the ball. But um, just frustrating game all around, um, every asset. I mean, I guess McManus did make his field goal attempt, which I was actually kind of surprised. Yeah, um, no, me too. I don't know 45 why. 45-yarder gets the win, and I, I don't know. It just Maybe it was because that 43-yarder in Minnesota just looked so bad. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And, and, you know, looking at his stats, he's only missed, I think, four or five field goals all year. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, it just feels like he's missed a ton. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't well, know. you think about those those field goals he's missed and how big of an implication it had on the, the – uh, how it had on the game, um, turning those into losses. You know what I mean? We're, we're losing mm-hmm. these games by – three points more often than not those field goals are huge yeah yeah and and then colby wadman another not very good effort um punting the ball i'm really surprised the broncos haven't brought anybody to try out that's the thing is he can be good but he has never been consistent i mean how many good punts did we see him have on on sunday but then he completely shanked that one i think they said it was I don't even remember. Like 17 a, yards, wasn't se- it? I was going to say 17. Yeah. That seemed really low. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> I think it, it, was. it was literally that low. Oh. And you're talking about a game where we're trying to get something going. And uh, the thing is, he is always inconsistent. Every single oh, game. Yeah. He has some good punts, and he has some terrible ones. And even just won a game. That, that is just terrible for a punter. You know, yeah. and again, I love his story about how he's delivering pizzas one day, and the next thing you know, he's, he's punting for the Broncos. Mm. Man, you know, pfft. Four games into the season, we should have just been picking other guys off the streets and saying, hey, you have a go. You know, yep. Let's see if you can be a little bit more consistent. <laughs> and I know we're talking about we have all these things to fix, but I'm sorry. I think punter is a little bit more of a vital position than some people tend to think because when it comes down to that, that position battle, and you're trying to pin people back in their own zone, you've got to have somebody who's consistent. And if you keep giving the other team the ball, you know, the, the 30, 40, whatever – you have a completely shanked punt once to, once a game. You're just offering the other team more easy points, mm-hmm. and no. so I, I don't I don't care what else we need, but we we got to find a punter because otherwise we're just going to be putting ourselves in, in bad situations every single game. Absolutely, and uh, the frustrating part from my sense is, you know, ever since I've been a Bronco fan, I've seen the Broncos be impatient. With other punters, I mean, they got rid of Brett Kern, and now he—I know he's been with, with the Titans for a while, but he's like fourth or fifth right now net putting. Yeah. Um, Cole in the top ten right now net punting. Then Riley Dixon—they only gave what a year, year and a half yeah. of punting uh, before they signed Marquette King. He's at fifteenth, and now you're giving Colby Wadman. He's got two years now. I mean, they've really shown patience. It's like with some of those other guys who are more proven, <laughs> they weren't as patient. I, I, I just don't understand, but. I have no idea. It's I don't know. It's one of those things. It's one of those things. It's been one of those years. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, How did the Broncos come out injury-wise? I don't think I heard of any injuries. Did you out of this game? The only one, and I haven't seen an update today. Maybe there was one that came out. Was Von Miller got an MRI for a knee injury? It doesn't sound too uh, too terrible. We'll wait and see what the uh, injury list looks like um, in the next day or so. But I would imagine that he'd still be out there. Otherwise, I mean, it'd be a huge, huge yeah. news if there was any any serious doubt as to if he was going to stay playing or not. 
Yeah, he was all over the Broncos social media today with his shirt off outside in the <laughs> snow. So I would say he's okay. That's that's Von Miller for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, and, you know, really, it is great to see the guys still having fun and enjoying themselves, even in a season that's awful, 3-8. and eight. I, know, I know a lot of fans would be like, they shouldn't be having a good time because they're not winning. That's their job. And, and, and to a sense, I get that. But – Unlike the last coaching regime, I don't think those guys were having fun at all no. in the season. And it seems like they, they have a good culture right now going or establishing a good culture. They just can't find ways to win games. Oh, look, I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, you got to have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not even having fun, then it just – these players are just making their – you know, it's, it's more and more miserable for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they can find a way to have fun. And still be that team. I mean, Von Miller took the team out to dinner. What was it uh, last week after the Vikings game? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's there's some team unity there that I think is definitely going to carry forward. And you know that's just going to make it. Once we start winning and getting that confidence, it's going to just it's going to pick up even quicker than if these guys were hating their lives because you know the team morale sucks and there's no you know continuity between coaches in terms of. I don't even know what I'm saying, other than just like yeah. when it's when it's so miserable that that they don't. I don't want to say that they don't care, but when they don't care, that's one thing. But when you're still having fun, you start winning, then it, it makes it easier to keep that momentum going. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to go through the rough periods to come out on the other side. I mean, well, this has been a rough period, and it, it has been. In <laughs> an example, I want to get to is look at the 49ers right now. Right, they were nowhere two years ago. They were in the bottom of the league. They were yep. losing, losing tough games, getting killed some weeks. But they were slowly building that culture. And look at them now. So that's that's my hope for the Broncos. In you two years, what? we can look back and say, "You remember those hard times? Look at us now." I have a feeling that if we, because everyone now is saying, "Why didn't we sign um, whoever, whatever coach, you know?" And especially uh, Shanahan. Um, he's the main one, obviously. People are well, why, looking why back. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But, but with what I'm hearing, people calling out Vance Joseph, or I'm sorry, Vic Fangio to get fired. I have a feeling that even if we got Kyle Shanahan, and we sat through this first year with him, which wouldn't, I mean, it'd be just like he, it was when he took over the 49ers. Everyone would be calling for for him to get fired, and that's that's what I try. Whenever I talk to a Bronco fan, especially when they try to say Vic Fangio or whoever needs to go. Dude, it's not I even know, know. the end of the first season. And the, the example of the 49ers is perfect because we have to stick with this guy mm-hmm. for at least two more years. I mean, and it's a great point you brought up because, you know, it's always been my logic. You give a coach at least two years, if not three years. Three, uh, yeah. yeah, even though, you know, Vance Joseph only got two, but I think everybody under the sun was ready for him to go. Uh, but and then you look at what the Cardinals did to Steve Wilkes last year and fired him after a year. Some teams are starting to do that, but I mean the Broncos are not going to do that. Vic Fangio is safe as safe can be. Yeah. But um, I mean you just got to give them time. Sometimes we live in an in, impatient world where everybody wants to see results right away, and sometimes that just can't happen. No, uh, it's it's something you got to build. It's the culture. It's it's on the playbook. And there's some. I mean, they've got to learn themselves. They're mm-hmm. very young coaching staff, and we can talk about how we wish they would have surrounded themselves with more uh, experienced coaches but they didn't and here we are and that's fine mm-hmm. you know as long as they keep learning uh, and improving and you know next year and the year after that it, it's it's going to get there you know yep. it's it's something that we have to wait for though yep yep it's it's hard to play that role of wait and see but 
That's what we got to do right now. I yep. mean, we got we got five le- weeks left into the season, and with this week's loss going three and eight, the best we could do now is win out and be eight and eight, which still solidifies uh, th- three years in a row where we won't have a winning record. Right. Um, which is hard to stomach, but it is what it is. It is, uh, what it is. But let's get to the elephant in the room, the big top uh, topic in Broncos country, that being rookie second round quarterback Drew Locke. That's the big topic this mm-hmm. week. Uh, Vic Fangio asked about it yesterday. Said all options are on the table, um, and he pretty much referred to staying on the IR, activating him, whether it be backup or activating him and get him out on the field. A lot of buzz going on on Twitter. Matters who you're following, you know, one <laughs> side or the other. Uh, what's your take on what's going on, and what do you think happens come this weekend? I think. This week is going to really determine and kind of show me, and I think a lot of Broncos country, how serious we are about Drew Locke. Up until this point, it is my, the way I am reading the cards personally, and obviously we don't see all, all the behind-the-scenes stuff going on behind closed doors, but it, it, I'm of the impression that if we were serious about Drew Locke, we would have activated him as soon as possible. Now, okay, you have the argument of, well, there was there was a... Chance we could have still we could have started winning more with Brandon Allen and and that would have put us on the right path. Okay, great. Well, we've moved past that argument now. We're three and eight. There is almost zero chance of us making the playoffs. And this is so. This is the time. This is the time. If you're serious about Drew Locke, is you get him on the field. Um, if he is activated as a backup, okay. Well, then that's with the assumption that the following week he'll start. Um, but at this point, just throw him out there. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's no, well, don't rush him into it kind of thing. No, it's the, the dude had a finger injury. Drew Brees needed surgery, finger surgery. And look, and he got thrown back out there. The, Drew Locke needs to learn. He's got to look, uh, make those rookie, rookie mistakes now um, and, and go through those growing pains. And the sooner we do it, then, okay, we know what we're getting for next year, at least what potential he has. Um, if he doesn't start, if he stays on IR, that purely tells me that there's a 100% chance that we are drafting a quarterback in the first round of next year's draft. Um, and even even if not, I still think there's a 90-plus percent chance. But uh, it's just – this is, this is going to be telling. This is going to tell us where the coaching staff and John Elway think we're going with Drew Locke, whether it's nowhere or we want him to at least give him a chance to be our guy. Yeah, it's 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 been a frustrating process, um, especially without knowing what's really going on behind the scenes. Because our assumptions all along were they thought pretty highly of Drew Locke because they traded up into the second round to get him. And according to Benjamin Albright, they were trying to get back in the first round the night before to get him. So they obviously thought highly of him. And then you know you get all these well, he's just not quite ready. But is a rookie ever really ready? No. For the NFL, no. no. No, you have to throw him in there. You're going to have the growing pains. you got five games left. You have to see what you got in the kid. I don't even know if that's a big enough sample size to tell for next year, but at this point, it's better than nothing. Um, and I think it's a perfect time to do it. A home game against the Chargers is a lot better to start him than if you're throwing him out there next week, a road game against the Texans. Yeah. I mean, just what, what do you got to lose at this point? There, there's nothing to lose. And so we're all sitting here saying – Throw Drew Locke out there. Come on, what are we waiting for now? And the only thing that I can figure, again, from my point of view, is if 
If we don't want him next year, if we don't want him to be the starter, we don't want to give him that chance, then why play him? Other than just just, just give the NFL enough of a sample size, maybe two, no more than three games, to show what his potential is so that we could use him as trade bait. And that's, yeah. that's pretty much it. It is hard telling. You know, we're all just guessing because really it's hard to get in the mind of John Elway when it comes to quarterbacks. And, uh, uh, you know, yeah. I even read somebody's take, well, maybe they think Locke is the guy next year no matter what. I'm like, but they haven't seen him in game action. So I don't know if I buy that one. Um, no, especially with this, the – I mean, we keep talking about it. The, the next year's draft class is so heavy with – quarterbacks mm-hmm. and after this last week's game we're currently sitting at the number five draft mm-hmm. pick so mm-hmm. i don't care if drew lock looks pretty good if he keeps improving every week that's why i'm saying get a quarterback anyway because you're not i mean this this kind of draft only happens every two to three years mm-hmm. so why would you pass up the opportunity being in the top five to not get another chance at another good quarterback it's gonna be interesting where the quarterbacks fall come in a few months because some of them are starting to play kind of poor in college and their stocks are kind of starting to fall a little bit. Uh, I mean, as of right now, I think Joe Burrow to Cincinnati, he's got some heat on it. He's probably going to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, Tua down in Alabama, he's hurt. Nobody really knows. I mean, he should recover and still enter the draft, but he's he's injury prone. Justin Herbert hadn't had a good year. Jacob Eason might not come out out of Washington. And you got Jordan Love at Utah State, Jake Fromm at Georgia. I mean, you got a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it it's a crapshoot. I mean, and we know that every year drafting players is. is. But um, you know, if they go that route again, if they decide Drew Locke is not the guy, then they gotta try to do whatever ever they can to hit the nail on the head because they cannot go through another Paxton Lynch again. We can't go through another Trevor Simeon, Case that, Keenum, any of that. Uh, Joe no. Flacco. Joe Flacco. We yeah. can't go through any. No, of that you're right. Again. It's it's just. You know, it's if, if Drew Locke starts this week, and I believe that's a seventh starter since the start of 2017. You know what the they're going to do with that, right? They're going to pop up that carousel graphic. Oh, carousel God, graphic. not again. That's, I guarantee you they're going to oh. add to it, and they're going to bring it up there just to remind thing. everyone and just kind of, you know, beat the dead horse even further. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah. I ha- yeah, I hate that thing. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. That yep. stupid graphic. <laughs> Gosh. But uh, it's going to be an interesting game this weekend. You said you're going, so that's, mm-hmm. that's really cool. Um, now, here here's the thing. The only reason I would say that um, Vic Biangio should get fired is if he opens up the game with an onside kick. <laughs> Just like we did last year, and it was the last game of the season. But that's, I think, that was the nail in the coffin for Vance Joseph. If he had any shred of dignity, <laughs> any shred of respect left, like not only just the, as Broncos country for him, but as the the you know front office, who opens up the game with an onsides kick? Dude, just don't even try. And yeah. so when I go to the game this week, I'm hoping just to see a well played. Um, game that doesn't have any of that stupid stupid stuff in it yeah i think you're pretty safe when it comes to seeing a opening onside kick i don't think that's gonna happen but hey you I never know didn't think i was gonna see it that day <laughs> yeah, either that's that's a good point so <laughs> but but that'll be fun and we're, we're playing against a chargers team that's really uh underachieved this year they have mm-hmm. too much talent to be playing the way they have but we're also seeing a declining philip rivers i mean ages really hit him hard this year yeah um but, uh, but uh, I mean, I, I don't want to take the pre, 
game podcast thunder too much, but what are some things you're going to be looking for come this weekend? Well, the big one is obviously Drew Locke. If sure. he's going to be there, what we're going to see from him. Um, I am still waiting for us to play with confidence. Mm-hmm. Forget the record. Forget what we've seen this year. Let's get something going that we can carry forward into next year. Um, some bright spots. Let's get some of these younger players out there, get them experience. It might be messy, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the other. So it, it might be messy seeing these young guys out there, but we need to know what, what we can get from them and if there's any potential and know that going into this year's draft and, and free agency. So those are some of the things I'm looking for right there right off the bat. And I'm glad you brought up confidence because that's one thing I read interesting about Drew Locke today. They asked Chris Harris Jr. about Drew Locke, and here's his quote. He says, I like Drew. I'm excited to see him play when he gets the opportunity. I talked to Drew. Drew thinks he's ready. You want him to feel confident, feel like he's ready to go, and from just talking to him, he seems like he's ready. Nope. Talk is cheap. Yeah, it how is. Does, it how is. does it translate? How does it translate it, on the field? You're right. The, the kid's saying all the right things. And, and the kid boosts confidence. I mean, just look at him. He's got a lot of swag. Um, do you think the boo, the boo Birds will be out in Mile High on Sunday if he doesn't start? I think the Boo Birds are going to be out there regardless. Regardless. Um, and, and, I mean, I'm expecting there to be quite a few open seats. I think the only thing that's going to really draw – the non-diehard, you know, uh, fans in there is if they announce that Drew Locke is starting. Otherwise, yeah. but I mean, and I, I don't care how upset I am. I'm never going to boo the team. I will be upset with them. Um, but <laughs> just, you think back to the uh, Vikings game a couple weeks ago, what they were seven and three at the time, or something like that, yep. or seven and two. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, they were playing terrible in the first half, but they're the whole stadium is filled with boos. It's like. And not the the drinking kind of booze, like the you know the bad you suck kind of. <laughs> uh, but it's like your your team is seven and two. Yeah, deal with it. Like there's no reason for you to boo. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we'll see what it's like out there. Um, hopefully, people are just there to enjoy the game and enjoy watching the Broncos because I'm still of the mindset that I'd rather watch bad football than no football at all. And we're mm-hmm. quickly coming up to that time where we're gonna have to wait quite a while for some more Broncos football. I know so it. it's it's there. Mm-hmm. They're going to be there one way or the other. It's crazy to think the season's almost come to an end. We're almost in December with five games left. So yep. it's really, really hard to really hard to wrap the mind around. But uh, well, another interesting uh, piece of Broncos news this week uh, was uh, Brittany Bolin. Is that the correct yep. Bolin? Yep. She was uh, named that she's going to be some sort of VP for the team, mm-hmm. uh, getting her feet back into the team with uh, hopefully a plan within two to three years that really – groom herself into potentially eventually taking the team over. Um, I think that's a step in the right direction to finally get this ownership stuff behind us and figured out. I mean, the big thing is still the the lawsuits and everything going on in court, but yeah. I, I can't see how, and I don't want to get too much into the specifics of that, mm-hmm. but how those are going to affect um, – who takes ownership. I think it's clear as day that Brittany's been the one that's doing all the work. Um, and she's she's worked with, uh, I can't remember what other teams, uh, she's worked with at least one, if not two other teams. And, you know, she's got her MBA and all that stuff. And I think it's it's time for her to kind of start working up the chain in, in the Broncos organization. And clearly the trust does as well. Um, now, if, I think anyone listening, if you're expecting some ginormous change the day that she takes over, you're 
just, I mean, don't hold your breath. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the big thing we need from an owner is accountability. And however Brittany decides to, you know, make that look, um, that's that's kind of up to her. And hopefully it, it pays off from everything she's learned. But, uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see. And hopefully in the next two to three years, like, that's just my guess. I didn't read that anywhere. Yeah. I just know that we're dying for an owner. Uh, so give her a couple years there to get that experience and then throw her in there. Well, that's the thing that's frustrating when a lot of these national media talking heads talk about the Broncos and their overall situation. I don't think many of them even understand that the Broncos don't have an active owner right now, mm-hmm. and it's a trust. I mean, they, they bash on L.A. and this and that like he owns the team. Yeah, he kind of runs the team, of course, from a player personnel standpoint, and, and he does deserve some criticism, don't get me wrong, but it's like you guys don't even understand the situation. You don't even know what's going on at all. Yep. And you're just talking the talk. It's it's just really frustrating from a, a Broncos fan's standpoint. But 100%. But sometimes that's that's what they do. They just talk yep. the talk. Yep, and that's why it's a, it's a ratings battle. It's yep. a eyes and ears <laughs> business. So, um, Any any other thoughts going into, going into the game or overall before we pick some games? You know, I think uh, just kind of starting with the, the post-game part is, yeah, that sucked. Um, yeah, it did. And – this is the time where we're going to start looking to see, are we, is, is the team in general turning things around? Um, are they learning from their mistakes? Are they figuring out what things they really need to work on and where they need to build um, going on into the offseason? And, you know, I'm not going to say that we're going to see anything spectacular for the rest of the season. But again, if we can build that confidence, even just a little bit, if we can steal some big win, you know, maybe against the Chiefs or, you know, finish the season against the Raiders with a, with a solid win, and maybe even kick them out of the playoffs. You know, or oh, that'd be beautiful. Give them, you know, or you know, give them a lower spot so they mm. have to play like the, you know, whoever right off the bat. Um, that's going to be huge going into the next season because we haven't had that, um, and so that's something that I hope everyone else keeps in mind is just watch the games for for fun, you know, mm-hmm. and look at it as a. How are we going to improve knowing that we should be starting to look towards next year already? Yep, absolutely. I agree 100%. Uh, you want to pick some games? Let's do it. All right. We got uh, Thanksgiving games, of course, this week with Thanksgiving coming up. Uh, got the Bears and the Lions. Lions. At, at Detroit. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Something about the Lions and Thanksgiving I just I just like. Well, it's not just that. I mean, you talk about a team that has worse offense than we do. I think the Bears yeah. are right there. Yeah, they there. are right there. Yeah. So uh, I think that's a hands-down easy call um, with the Lions. Uh, the Bills, who just beat our Broncos, of course, like we've talked about, at the Cowboys. Cowboys. Yeah, I think they get it done at home. They don't lose at home on Thanksgiving very often. And and the Bills really, I mean, they're an 8-3 and three team, but they might be one of the weakest 8-3 and three teams I've ever seen. It's, they're really really hard to figure out. I, I wish I could play, the Broncos could play Miami twice a year and the Redskins, you know. And the and Jets. The Jets, you know, twice a year. And mm-hmm. I mean, if we did, then we'd also yeah. be 8-3 and three, but not worthy of it. So don't yeah. don't sit here and say that Josh Allen is, is amazing because mm-hmm. – He's not. He's average. He's good, but he's not mm-hmm. great. So yeah, he's he's got growth potential. He's got potential, but he's not there potential. yet. And uh, yeah, we'll 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 see who the real Bills are in the next few weeks because their <laughs> schedule starts getting really tough. Hundred percent. And then the nightcap on Thanksgiving, you got the Saints at the Falcons. Again, I think it's going to be a better game than people expect, but uh, I'm going. I'm going Saints. 
I'm going Saints as well. The Falcons already embarrassed them in New Orleans a couple weeks back. I think the Saints get get their revenge. And when they're clicking, they're one of the best offenses, if not the best in the league. Yeah. Um, they're hard to stop when they're clicking. So, uh, Redskins at Panthers. See, that one, ew, I think that one could be a Redskins win. Yeah. Yeah, this is a tough one to figure out. I think Ron it Rivera is. is in trouble. Oh, yeah. In Carolina, I think the writing's on the wall there. I think Carolina wins, but it wouldn't shock me if Washington pulls the upset. Yep. Oh, this one's – Jets at Bengals. <laughs> uh, Jets because uh, the Bengals are still uh, winless, right? Yep, they yeah, are. Yeah, so Jets Andy just because I want to see them to go 0-12 or whatever. Yep, Andy Dalton is back as their starter this week. Kind of head-scratching move there. I don't right. know why they're doing that now. But the Jets have actually been playing better the last few weeks. Uh, I like the Jets as well. Uh, well, the Jets get, just uh, demolished the Raiders. Demolished them, killed yep. them. So. That was that was one of those games. I think the Raiders went in overconfident. It was beautiful to see. Yep. <laughs> uh, good good AFC South matchup here. A battle really for for the wild card as of right now. Six and five Titans at the six and five Colts. You know that one's going to come down to who wins uh, those those battles in the front line. Um, I think when it comes to that, I'm I'm going to pick uh, the Colts. I'm going to pick the Titans. Um, okay. You know, it's it's really one of those games that I think you can flip a coin. Yeah. Um, but I like the way uh, Tannehill's playing ever since he became their starter, ever since he kind of came in relief against us yeah. for uh, Mariota. Ever since he's been a starter, he's been uh, pretty solid for them. But I can see that going either way, but I'll go to the Titans, probably just because I live in Indiana and I don't like the Colts. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really good, really good game here. I wish this was the Sunday night game. It's a rematch from Super Bowl 47, 49ers at the Ravens. That is – I can't imagine why anyone would not want to sit down and watch that game. That's going to be good. Um, it's – and this is the type of game that I don't know why they're not flexing it into the Sunday night. You know, I mean, you could have called this weeks and weeks ago that this was going to be a huge game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the uh, the Ravens just, just won last night 45-6. to six. You want to talk about an offensive team that's just killing it? Yeah, uh, it's weird. Now, Baltimore's never had an offense. This is weird. Nope. Well, when you got a quarterback that's also <laughs> uh, essentially Lamar's. a running back, yeah. um, he's he's pretty good. Uh, but you know what? I think with the defense that the and who's home? Who's home for that one? The Ravens. Oh, oof! It's that okay. West Coast to East Coast trip. It's I'm yeah. gonna I was gonna say uh, 49ers because of their defense, but if they're on the road going to uh, to Baltimore, I think Baltimore is definitely going to get that edge. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if it was a lower scoring game. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be closer, but the the Baltimore is going to pull it out. I'm going to say by a touchdown. Yeah, this this could even potentially be a Super Bowl preview. Potentially, maybe. I um, would love that kind of Super Bowl. I mean, I mean, I, I would enjoy that one a lot more when, than when they played back in Super Bowl 47. But or last year. Or yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, but uh, I agree with you with the Ravens. You know, until last night, I was ready to pick the Niners for this game, but the Ravens impressed me so much last night. Um, I mean, they killed the defending NFC ch- NFC champions. I mean, oh yeah, killed them. Um, yeah, this Ravens team's for real. Uh, the battle for Florida: four and seven Buccaneers have four and seven Jaguars. Poof. Yeah, I'm gonna say Jaguars. I'll take the Bucks, but I don't know why. Oh. I really don't. I mean, uh, 
<laughs> you know, Jameis is going to give the Jaguars the ball at least four times. Sure. Um, but Nick Foles probably won't do much to no. wow anybody. It's Yeah, two teams that just aren't very good. Uh, Eagles at Dolphins. Oh, well, Dolphins, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> uh, taking the Eagles. Yeah, no, uh, me too. Yeah, yeah I, <laughs> This Dolphins teams, you know, they showed a spark a few weeks ago, winning a couple games, but they're back on the tank. Yeah. They're back on it, and they're going to tank hard. So, uh, Packers at Giants. Uh, Packers. I think Packers are coming back, and they need to uh, make a strong rebound uh, if they're going to have a chance to really kind of make some noise in the playoffs and uh, vie for those kind of uh, just where they fall in the playoff picture. But you know, after they got embarrassed last week, I think it's it's clear that they're going to go out there and I think they're just going to play the best football that they possibly can. It's, it's going to be them all day long. Yeah, the 49ers really found a way to embarrass Aaron Rodgers in that offense Sunday nights. Uh, really, the whole the, going to the state of California did not treat the Packers well this year playing the nope. Chargers and the, and the 49ers. But I think the Packers bounce back. The Giants are not a good football team. Um I wouldn't be surprised if they make a coaching change at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Cleveland Browns at Pittsburgh Steelers, a rematch from that nasty Thursday night game a couple weeks ago. Got to think the Steelers crowd is going to be ready for this one. They announced De- De- Devlin Hodges is the starting quarterback instead of Mason Rudolph this week okay. for Pittsburgh. Well, after I saw, I'm sure we all saw the videos of the Browns fans basically taking a helmet to a pinata. Um, Classy. Well, yeah, classy. And then did you see what the owner, the Browns owner, was wearing? I did not. Uh, a, a hat with what's his name's number on it. Miles Garrett. Miles uh, Garrett's uh, number on it. So it's like, you know, you are just asking for trouble. And if I was a Steelers fan, I would be all up in arms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would not want to be a Browns fan going to that game. Oh, that'd be dangerous. That would honestly be dangerous. All you do is say one thing, and you're going to get jumped. Yep, I mean, these two teams don't like each other anyways. They've always been rivals, but this year the heat's up. It's cranked up now because of that incident. But with that said, I like the Browns to go in there and get the win. I just think right now they're the better team, and that's weird because when we beat them weeks ago, they looked like a team that was just lost. But now they're starting to they're starting to click a little bit. Uh, they're hit or miss. When, they're, when, they're play, when they play well, then, yeah, they have yeah. a good chance to win. But I'd say they're going to go in this week and just fall flat. Yeah. It wouldn't it wouldn't hurt my feelings. No, but mm-mm. no, but uh, Rams at Cardinals. Ugh. Uh yeah, I think that's definitely gonna be a Rams win. Um, I just don't see how it can't. You know, I want to take the Cardinals, but I just can't. I can't do it. I'm with you. But this Rams team's six and five. They should be a lot better. Yeah. Um, you know the Sean McVay. The shine's kind of worn off this year. Jared Goff's not having a very good year. Mm-mm. Um. Yeah, I want to take the Cardinals, but, I, but I'm going to take the Rams. Uh, my least favorite NFL matchup of the year, I'm guessing it might be yours. If not, it's probably close. It's probably a lot of Broncos country's least favorite. The Raiders at the Chiefs. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Just, ugh. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, I don't even want that to end in a tie. Like, I just, ugh. I don't even know who's – I mean, obviously I think I want the Chiefs to win because I hate the Raiders more right now because the Raiders think that they're a good team. Mm-hmm. And I really don't think that they are. Um, so I, in this case, I would – if I had to pick one, I would like to say the Chiefs because they are – and the other thing is they're coming off their bye week, you know, yep. and you can't, you can't expect them to not go out there and have a fantastic game 
game plan against the Raiders to begin with that divisional uh, kind of matchup. And yep, yep, yep. they're re- they're rested. They're at home in Arrowhead. I think the Chiefs get it done pretty easily. Um, but yep. man, I don't like either of those two teams. By far, my least two favorite teams. Ugh. And then my third least favorite team plays in the Sunday night game: the uh, Patriots at the Texans. Hmm. Another one that could be good, um, mm-hmm. could but be. with the defense, uh, the Patriots' defense, and as well as they're playing this year, I just can't see how they would lose. I mean, they're they haven't been putting up a ton of points this year, but it's that thing, kind of like our Super Bowl Fifty years. They don't need a fantastic offense. All they need is do is a, get a defense that'll put them in a position to win. And when you have someone like Tom Brady, I uh, can't stand the guy, but he is what he is, and that's that's how you're going to win those games. So, yep. Well put. I mean, it's it's frustrating from a fan's perspective. You look at the Patriots, especially on defense, it seems like even when they lose guys, it's like all they do is take the name off, take the number off, replace it with a new name, <laughs> replace it with a new number, and he plays the same exact role. It's so frustrating, but it's actually hats off to pretty good coaching, yeah. unfortunately. Um, but I think the Patriots get it done, too. I just see that. I don't see how they don't get the one seed in the AFC and have home field advantage. Bless. But but uh, the Ravens have beat them once this year, so maybe the Ravens can do it again. That's what I'm pulling playoff for. Time, so. And then there are no bye weeks this week, uh, and the Monday night game is should be a pretty good one. Vikings at Seahawks. Yeah, that's going to be another good uh, just NFC matchup right there. And uh, uh, Seahawks have been looking pretty good this year, but I just don't see how uh, they can beat the Vikings. I'll take the Seahawks at home. Um, I have to kind of ramp them up because they are my NFC favorite. They were in my okay. preseason picks. So, and they're so what playing you're saying is well. you, you have some money on them to win. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, maybe. <laughs> so I got I got to keep hoping they can at least get pretty far. Um, Russell Wilson's been really good this year. He actually has some more toys to play with. They've yeah. been a little banged up on defense. Jadavian Clowney's out again, I think, this week. But um, – that should be a good game. The, the NFC this year is a lot more enjoyable just from an NFL football fan standpoint than Easily. AFC. Easily. I mean, the AFC, you got the Patriots and Ravens up here. And that's it. And then it really falls off, and then maybe maybe the Chiefs down here. And yeah. then, I don't, then I don't know. Yeah. I mean, in the NFC, you got the Niners up there, uh, Saints up there, Seahawks up there, Packers Vikings. maybe a ring below it, Vikings right there with the Packers. Mm-hmm. And then um, – Cowboys are going to win their division, but they're not that good. I don't think uh, they might um, win one playoff game. Yeah, but that's that's it. But uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be a fun ride towards the end. Um, let's just hope the Broncos can. Uh, let's hope they don't quit. And um, yeah, yeah. And, and and you know we want to see the competitive juices flowing. This is a game they can win this weekend. I mean they beat the Chargers once this year. Right. Um, but it'll be interesting. I mean all the focus is on who's going to be behind center. Is it going to be number two or is it going to be number three? I'd expect that because we're recording this on Tuesday. I expect mm-hmm. by the time this podcast is published, you're listening to it, they will have announced who's going to be playing. So, yeah, there's a good there's a good chance. Yeah. So, but uh, any closing thoughts and tell everybody uh, what's going on the latest with Orange Weekly. Oh man, well uh, Broncos may not be showing up to their games, but uh, Orange <laughs> Weekly sure as hell is. Uh, I mean, we got we got everything for you guys. We're not we're not quitting. Uh, the Monday night show, Tuesday night show, pregame, halftime shows. Uh, we, if not this year, we're going to be adding a post game show next year. We're also I'm working on trying to find a bar that will let us uh, 
call a game once a month from from the bar. So, you know, we'll be adding that into, you know, we'll do all the pre-game, halftime, post-game stuff all wrapped into one. Uh, so if you don't want to listen to the announcers, then you can listen to us and, and talk, cool. talk to I us like during the That's game, cool. you know. Um, so we're not professionals by any means, but, it, you know, it'd be fun to do that and interact with you guys during the game that way as well. So, and then, of course, with the podcast, uh, pre-game, post-game podcast like this one, we're keeping busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you guys want to support us, you know, make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast there, but then also go to patreon.com slash orangeweekly. Uh, donate. We're going to be doing another giveaway uh, here in, the, I think, next week for... Uh, one of our lucky Patreon donors. So if you want a chance to go do that, we'll be doing that live as well. So, man, uh, football season is kind of getting to the you know the last quarter or so, but uh, we're we're staying strong here at Orange Weekly, man. Still grinding away like always. Grinding away. That's yep. what we got to do. Somebody's got to do it, right? Fact. We're happy to do it. So sure am. <laughs> so well, hey, uh, where can they find us? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Where can't you find us? That's a good. That's a good point. That's the. Yeah, that's where. That's how I should have worded it. Where can't you find us? <laughs> um, or where do you want to see us that we're not on? Let us right, know. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, all good things, Kev Dan, the Godfather of Orange Weekly. Thanks again for filling in for Jeff Ryan. Always appreciate it. Always good talking Broncos with you. Yeah. Same here, man. Thanks for having me on. All right. Go Broncos. Go Broncos. Take care.